says the word of God. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. All things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And all things are of God, who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ and hath given us uh, and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation. To wit, that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors from, for Christ, as though, did God, uh, as though God did beseech you by us, we pray you in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God. For he hath made him to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Now, before we look at this passage, let's see for a moment the panorama in which we sometimes live as Christians. Because I fear and, and I see in my own life that we often forget the power of uh, his reconciliation. We forget how glorious it is. We might become used to it. Or perhaps we never understood it to begin with. So if you are prone to backsliding, such as I am, you will often say, how does God put up with so much treachery, so much betrayal, so much instability, so much wandering, lack of prayer, despising his word? Yes, we do our best. We're trying our best. But at the end of the day, how does he really put up with so much sin? So let me read the following verses to you. In Habakkuk, Habakkuk, one verse 13 says, Thou art purer of eyes than to behold evil, and canst not look on iniquity. And then in Psalm 53, verses 1 through 3, it says, God looked down from heaven upon the children of men to see if there were any that did understand. They are altogether become filthy. There is none that doeth good. So in these verses, we see that God is pure of eyes, that he's looking down from heaven, right? You and me. And perhaps we can hide our shortcomings from others and our sin. And we can even hold other people to standards that we don't even fulfill ourselves. But at the end of the day, God sees. And with God, no one gets away with anything. So we have in this relationship, God in heaven looking down to us. And after we become Christians, we sense this. We sense God is looking and we can see our sin and we're so burdened. And sometimes we cry in our daily walk. If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. We know it. And, and then we say, if thou, Lord, shouldest mark iniquities, O Lord, who shall stand? Uh, sometimes we then make resolutions to say, well, maybe if I was more like Jonathan Edwards, more like the Puritans, sometimes we, we see a uh, great man of old and say, oh, we are so far, we have fallen so short. If, if we were just more like them, if we could just pray more like them, we begin to make resolutions and we fail at them, either by not doing them or by just doing them with a heart that's not there. And we 
we just fall on our faces and it's so discouraging. We're so disappointed on ourselves, on our churches. And we feel God is disappointed too. Everything is just like, oh, it does not look good at all. So this panorama leads us to forgetting the power and glory of the reconciliation that Christ attained for us when we first believed. So now let's go to our passage. Verse 19. Let's see what God did. Verse 19. God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself. God did this. He came from him. So now comes Christ in the picture. So far we have been talking about God, the Father, looking down from heaven. And we've been talking about us making resolutions and all kinds of things. But we never mentioned Christ. Now let's mention Christ. Here comes the Son of God into the picture. God provided himself a mediator in order to perform the ultimate reconciliation. The chastisement of our peace and of our reconciliation was upon him. But there is more to this beautiful reconciliation. Because in this passage, we have what we call the doctrine of double imputation. That means that while our sin is credited to him, his righteousness and obedience is credited to us. Let's look at this played out in verse 19. It says, God was in Christ, as we said, reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them. That's what he did to us, not impute our trespasses unto us. And then later in verse 21, it says what he did to the son, for he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin. For what? That we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Do you see the glorious exchange? Now we're made the righteousness of God and our sin gets imputed to him. And so it goes two ways. It's not only that he bore our sin. It's also that now we have his righteousness. Sometimes we think a lot about the first one, but we forget the second one. So now our panorama has changed. Christ has become the meeting point. That's the main point today for, for us today is Christ has become the meeting point, right? So we are looking at the sun. We say often, let's put our eyes on Jesus. But you know what? The Father is also looking at the Son. Sometimes we think the Father is still looking at us. We, we think he's measuring our performance. We think he's the police of performance, uh, seeing what we can do, what we cannot do. And then we try to please him with resolutions and do all kinds of things. But no, he's not looking at us. He's looking at his Son as well. Has it ever been so beautiful to you to look at Christ, well, imagine the Father. He loves looking at Christ too. Where we wander far over and over again, he never strayed from the path. Where we despise God's law, even as Christians, he always said, how I love thy law. When we neglected prayer, we saw him, Christ, constantly in prayer, even through the night. Where we betrayed him, just like Peter, he stayed faithful even to the cross where we were unstable. 
Like one day I'm committed and the next day I'm not. He remains steady. He set his face to go through Jerusalem. So the father loves looking at Christ. And yes, he's sanctifying you, but this is never apart from Christ's obedience. It was never meant to be that way. Did you think God was just going to save us and then leave us to ourselves to do our best? No, but he that spared not his own son, but deliver him up for us all. How shall he not with him also give us freely all things? So it says in verse 18, after we talk about this double imputation and, and, and how all things are new, and all things are of God who hath reconciled us. It all came from him. And that's why Paul later says, all things are yours. You have everything you need. So this is beautiful. This fuels prayer. This fuels gospel advance as well, because remember that in verse 14, it also says, for the love of God constraineth us. We have this ministry that we want to we preach to others because the love of God just constrains us. And all of this is possible because Christ is the meeting point. We look at the Son. The Father looks at the Son. Everything gets solved there. That's the, the, in that meeting point is the resolution of all discouragement, all enmity, all failure, anything that you have, it's all resolved there. It is the place where friendship and communion with God happens. Free from hard feelings. There is no hard feelings there. That's where we get our power. That's where we become as children. Brothers, the list of things that happen on that meeting point is infinite. So let us never forget that meeting point. Let us always remember that we not only have our sins forgiven, but also Christ's righteousness imputed to us. And let us enjoy this friendship with God. Amen.